الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد. Dear brothers, sisters, dear ulama kiram, Allah subhanahu wa taala bless you all. We're going through some difficult times. Allah subhanahu wa taala speaks about death in the Quran in numerous verses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمَا كَانَ لِنَفْسٍ أَن تَمُوتَ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ كِتَابًا مُؤَجَّلًا وَمَنْ يُرِدْ ثَوَابَ الدُّنْيَا نُؤْتِهِ مِنْهَا وَمَنْ يُرِدْ ثَوَابَ الْآخِرَةِ نُؤْتِهِ مِنْهَا وَسَنَجْزِ الشَّاكِرِينَ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says كُلُّ نَفْسٍ ذَائِقَةُ الْمَوْتِ وَإِنَّمَا تُوَفَّوْنَ أُجُورَكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يُدْرِكُمُ الْمَوْتُ وَلَوْ كُنْتُمْ فِي بُرُوجٍ مُشَيَّدًا And again Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا جَرَحْتُمْ بِالنَّهَارِ ثُمَّ يَبَعَثُكُمْ فِيهِ لِيُقْضَى أَجَلٌ مُسَمَّى ثُمَّ حتى إذا جاء أحدكم الموت توفته رسلنا وهم لا يفرطون. So we both know from scripture and we also know from experience that everybody is going to die. And just one simple test: how many of us are there who whose great great grandfathers are still alive? In fact, our great great grandfathers we probably don't even know them. Our great-grandfathers, some of us may have seen them. Otherwise, they've gone and everybody of that age has probably gone as well. So it's something which is built in innately in the human being after so many centuries, after so many millennia, from Adam Salam's time to this time of seeing that people die. So it's hardwired in our understanding, in our outlook that we are going to die one day. Now, the leaders of many of these Silicon Valley firms who've made huge amounts of money, one of, the, one, one of those who actually founded, I think it was PayPal, Thiel his name is, I think. Out of the over two billion profit that he made, there's a huge chunk of money that these people, uh, Larry Ellison from Oracle, I think he is, he's actually putting some uh, huge amount of money in longevity studies, in trying to keep people alive uh, forever. Now, that, that's something they can waste their time in. They can waste their they can waste their money in, but as you know, as we know it, death is an inevitable event, and it's something that will happen to all of us. Now, during this time, during this particular time of the pandemic, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, with literally a jar full of uh, viruses, meaning viruses of the entire world that are creating this chaos and these lockdowns and people losing their jobs and industries being um, affected in a really, really, really severe way. Uh, all of the viruses of the world can probably be put into a single jar and that is basically brought the whole world to a standstill. You know, so many industries have been effective, some have been uh, destroyed and subhanAllah, so many, so much of a difference. So there's a lot of people around us that are sick. And we know a lot of people who are sick. I mean, probably every one of us uh, have had some kind of sickness or know at least some people within our family or friend circle who, have, who are sick or maybe who've even died. I mean, 
there are uh, so many cases like that. I mean, subhanAllah, there are cases with multiple pe people being uh, uh, dying, actually. You know, okay, we have, we have people where there's multiple people in a family all sick. And then yet, in some cases, we have people where only some people are sick. We have some cases where multiple people in a single family die. So, for example, just somebody told me that uh, there's a, a husband who died yesterday. His wife had died two weeks ago. Um, we've got cases where the, 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 the husband dies uh, and a few hours later in another hospital or uh, two days later uh, the, the wife dies and then uh, the son, the older son, he's also in hospital and none of them know that the other person has died yet. You know, what times are we living in? I mean, subhanAllah, I mean, at least in our lifetime we've never experienced something like this where you cannot even go to see your loved ones where if you're lucky you might be able to have a video call with them and in many instances they, they die uh, you know, ve very soon and there's nobody there to even give them the, the, the kalima or they in induce comas I mean I don't think in our lifetime we act we, we've actually seen anything, anything of this nature now what you have to understand is that there have been times in history where people have seen this Right? or similar things to this. For example, if you look at 16th century London, right? you had vi uh, plagues visiting London you know, in the 16th century, and then you had the Vikings age, right, where they would come and basically cut people's throats. And you know, that's just looking at the West. I mean, in the East, in other countries of the world, there, you know, there's many things that have happened. I mean, if you look at uh, North, uh, North America as well, you know, what's happened to the indigenous people, people have, uh, th this is not something unique. This may be unique in terms of a small virus, but even then we've, have, we've had plagues and so on and so forth. It's just that in our recent history, in kind of our timeline, we've never seen this, we never expected this. We actually thought that we've gotten rid of so many different, you know, because we've not seen a plague for a very long time. And may we not see a plague ever, inshallah. So we thought that all of this kind of thing had been uh, pretty much uh, taken away. I mean, even in current times, there are uh, places where war, has taken place so it's a man-made problem right uh, you know it's not due to a virus or a bacteria or a plague or something it's a man-made problem where people are insecure in their homes they've lost people and so on so this is I mean this is life I mean unfortunately this is life it's just that it's happened now uh, in the case of um, it's, it's happened to developing countries so that's why I mean we feel why are we so bothered about the pandemic I mean that's the question I'm asking when these similar things to this would have been the norm you know for many people in history at you know at different times now the other thing is that you know death is nothing new so people are dying from this but death is also nothing new right so what do you call it we're already living in an age where we have uh, you know cancer uh, people are dying of cancer people are dying of AIDS uh, syphilis uh, train accidents car accidents bike accidents uh, paralysis, you know, people are uh, suffering from air raids in certain countries, you know. So let's not try to exaggerate the novelty of this pandemic. I mean, it is novel in a sense because, uh, but in terms of what it's doing, right, it's not entirely novel in the history of this world. I mean, I'm sure people have suffered even worse than this. So even before the pandemic came around, you know, even before there was any pandemic, you have to remember that we were all sentenced to death already before any virus was released, before any virus was detected, we all had a death sentence that's basically been hanging over our head since the day we are born anyway, right? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and many of us out of those, you know, out of people who have died and who were going to die even if there was not a, 
pandemic, there were many people who were going to die in unpleasant, unpleasant ways because people have always died in unpleasant ways, whether that be, you know, being attacked by an animal, whether that be in an accident, whether that be by falling off, whether that be some uh, uh, consuming something, uh, whether that be an overdose, whether that be somebody murdering them. I mean, we've had all of these things. It's just that this has become like more of a single clause based on a small virus that can essentially fit in a bottle for, uh, that would be sufficient uh, for, for the entire world. Subhanallah, subhanallah. So basically what the virus has done is that it's just added one additional method, one additional excuse to die. That's what it's done, right? It's ex uh, one additional excuse to die and it's everybody's fearful of it so you know see everybody's not fearful of a car accident necessarily or from an overdose of something maybe just the uh, people into drugs or uh, other addictions they may be but what this virus has done is that it's just created something overall for everybody to be worried about right so that is what this coronavirus this uh, it, it seems to be you know how it's causing a pandemic uh, sorry a panic rather and I think in the West we've just been we just had a sense of security for a very long time and that's why you know many of the people listening today would probably be immigrants or children of immigrants descendants of immigrants we've come to the west you know whose forefathers came to the west because of security and stability uh, good health care you know um, longevity uh, and people not dying of uh, you know from um, unnatural reasons so often although you know we've had problems in the west as well so now for a very long time you know we've had this sense of security in the west right from lots of ailments that used to be prevalent over millennia right and also they're still prevalent in many many you know in many many uh, parts of the world uh, even even today so what is the reason that we get so worried then well, the reason we get worried out of all of this, the reason we get worried in all of this, right, the biggest thing is that it reminds us of our mortality that we're also going to die. That, that's essentially what it reminds us of. It just shows us how helpless we are. It shows us that the people we trusted to keep us safe, how helpless they are. How um, the politicians themselves uh, who, who make the laws, how other people who bring security and everything, everybody's in this together and everybody is vulnerable. So it reveals, essentially what it does is that it reveals that we as human beings cannot really be in control of everything, right? We can't remain in control because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has junood, has, uh, has, has armies, uh, you know, that he can do whatever he wishes with them. That's the first point, is uh, for us to think about this vulnerability. Humanity has been made vulnerable. Humanity has understood their weakness. So inshallah, inshallah, this pandemic will end. This pandemic will end. Everything ends in this world. And likewise, bad things end as well. And when it ends, then we're hopefully going to be better people. Hopefully, we are already better people. Otherwise, the lesson in this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give us, that's going to be lost. And we want to come out of this after having suffered this entire, this entire journey, this journey, this year journey that people have gone through. Right? Um, what's the benefit of it? What are we going to get out of this? What's to be gotten from this? If we're not better people and we're not closer to Allah, at least as Muslims, we've got something to understand and make sense of this. That this is not necessarily all senseless. There's a purpose behind this. That's the point of being a believer, that philosophically, theologically, we have a reason why these things happen. And we can actually carry a lot of reward out of this. So you can imagine it as a computer game where you have to do this difficult task of going through these arduous uh, terrain 
and these circumstances and there's lots of challenges now the good thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says if you have sabr and if you have patience and if you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you do the right thing and you keep the right uh, emotion of, of patience and reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you will actually get closer to Allah you will even those who die among you uh, could could be martyrs so there's a lot of good things that come out of this so you have to remember going on to my second point now is that the people who have died because our discussion is about basically how to manage death and how to what we can do for the deceased and those who've died and those who are sick what's our responsibility right what can we do to help them because that's an emotional human feeling that we have so the first thing we have to understand right there's one thing that bothers a lot of people that people when when loved ones die in a pandemic right have died in the pandemic and yes it's true that uh, there's a lot of people who've died younger than we would have expected all right so they've died at the age of 55 or 60 i mean that's kind of um, you know an age uh, that you don't expect people to die they still consider that to be young and the prophet sallallahu according to him he died at the age of 62 and he said that um, yeah, there, there's there's traditions that mention that the lives of uh, my ummah are between 60 to 70. Of course, there's people who live beyond 70 and there's people who die before 60. But generally between 60 to 70 is when people die. And I think the Prophet ﷺ went at the age of 62. Abu Bakr also died two years later around the same age. Umar died also about 10 years or so later around at the same age. And uh, uh, Ali also apparently died around the same age. Right, the Omar radiallahu, uh, Uthman radiallahu, he died. I mean, he lived a lot longer. He died at around the age of eighty or so. So he died a lot longer. Now we're not saying that's a sunnah age to die because death is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa taala. One thing that I want to establish though, that anybody who's died, I mean, we get this thought, we get this idea that they've died before their age. Anybody who's died in a pandemic or any other kind of, you know, there's people who are murdered. And and I know in Toronto there was a, there was a Muslim kid. May Allah, may Allah. Uh, bless him you know may Allah forgive him uh, there was a Muslim uh, Muslim youth young young man who, who died just I think uh, in the last week or so right or maybe a week or two ago who died uh, you know uh, being shot at or something of that nature so people are gonna die and we feel that people have died before their time this is just human reaction to feel that all right now we have to remember that everybody dies at their time they could not have lived longer Right, the verses I quote in the beginning, they make it very clear, right, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a time for everyone, even before we were created, before our parents were created, in fact, before Adam was created, everybody's life and death was written, that's not within our free will. You know, in terms of our prayer, our salat, what we eat, how we conduct ourselves, what we do to others, that we do based on free will, though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about it, but we do it based on free will. But when we die, that is a death that comes, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already knows the causes of these things from eternity. So nobody dies earlier than their age, yes, because of the way they died, and they die before the age of 70 or so, we feel that a life has been cut short for them, so we, for some reason we feel a bit more miserable. But if we look at the grand scheme of things, from Allah's perspective, that was when they were going to die, whether there was a pandemic or there was no pandemic. He's already designated that. Why do we, why do we feel like that for? Why do we feel like that? Why do we feel worse when somebody dies an unnatural death as opposed to dying, you know, uh, through just normal causes? Why do we feel that? I think it reminds us of our own mortality, right? Because what it's doing is that it's actually breaking the norm that we're used to. We're used to people dying 
after the age of 65, 70. All right. Or we know that somebody's going to die because they're very, very sick and they've had cancer for five years or six years or they've got a debilitating disease. So we kind of expect it. But when somebody who never had any of these things and then died, they've died in the pandemic, right? What it does is that humans like routine, humans like custom, humans like habit, things that are predictable. They don't like to be, you know, they don't like to be caught out by surprises. So what happens is when you get caught out by a surprise like this, regarding a friend or a, f a family member or somebody else, then we feel like we could be caught out like that as well. So actually it reminds us, it makes us worried. And that is good. That is good that it makes us worried for ourselves, right? It should make us worried for ourselves. It should not just make it a source of complaint to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we can also die before the age of 70 and that's something that we should be thinking about now the third point i want to make then um, once we've covered those aspects is that for those people now who have died let us understand you know how they you know how they could be dealing with this so what is the position of those who've died through covid 19 for example because that's what's in front of us right now you know we're feeling bad that there's people who've died right subhanallah so a lot of people are asking the question, right, which is very closely related to this, is COVID-19 a punishment, right? Did you guys ever consider that question? Is COVID-19 a punishment? So I'm going to try to understand that question and try to answer it. So the answer of it, answer for this question about whether COVID-19 or any pandemic for that matter, whether it's a punishment or not, it's, a, it's not an easy question to answer. All right. It's not a simple question. The reason is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is multifaceted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has everything at his disposal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is latif. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely sophisticated. Allah is so subtle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so multidimensional. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do so many things at once. There's infinite number of things that are going on at the same time. Right, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do and be in charge of all of these things. So I think the one thing that we can say is that somebody uh, that COVID-19 is different things. So this is the answer. COVID-19 is different things for different people. And you can maybe have an idea of what it is for ourselves, right, depending on our reaction to it. That's one way to tell. That's a sign to figure out what COVID-19 is for me, what COVID-19 is for an individual, any individual. It depends on how we react to any challenges in this world. This is the way to find out about any challenges, whether that may be a small leak in your house from the roof, whether that may be that you've got a problem with your car and you have to get it fixed. As it, it depends. So you've had a, you've got a, mo, you know, you've got a cell phone contract and they've overcharged you. Now you have to spend time in trying to correct the issue with the phone representatives. That's a difficulty. You know, that's a challenge. That's, uh, you know, that's come about. How do we re, how do we react to these things? Is what's going to, uh, you know, maybe help to determine what this is for us. So now the simple thing is that it could be one of three things. Broadly speaking, it could be many things, but it could be broadly speaking three things. The first thing is that when we have a difficult, let's say we become sick with COVID, right? Or somebody close to us becomes sick with COVID. And there we, you know, we start thinking that, uh, you know, all of this difficulty, it's, 
it's I know now what it is. You know, last week or last month, two weeks ago, you know, I said these bad things to such and such a person. I acted unfairly. I uh, saw something that was wrong. I spoke to somebody that I should not have been speaking. I bit. I went a bit over, over the limit, um, in this or that, or maybe I cheated here or that. Um, I missed my prayer, you know, I wasn't really punctual on my prayers. You know, whatever it is, it makes us think that this, there's something going on here. There's something that's destabilizing my life, in my actions. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending this upon me. If that is the case, and we then make tawbah, and we repent, and we seek forgiveness, then this challenge for us this challenge for us is very simple it's a source of purification it is not a punishment it's a source of purification because inevitably it's what we do with it right now it might seem as a punishment but actually we're getting closer to Allah because we're purifying ourselves so this is a source of purification this is tazkiyah on the other hand if we think back you know where we've got a problem with our car or our bill or something tore or something something happened or we had a bit of a bruise or a graze or a little accident or you know we've got a wound that's come out or a big boil that's appeared god forbid god forbid right somebody's lost a child you know uh, somebody's had some major upset and upheaval at work business has gone down lost a big contract you know subhanallah there's just so many different things that could have happened if you think if you think back and you think i can't think of any sins i genuinely cannot think of anything that i've done wrong but then you're saying look it's up to allah he's given me so much good in this world he's given me so much i mean my whole existence is a bounty is a blessing of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is a bit of a difficulty that's what allah wants let me just make sabr i know what my responsibility is those whom when a musibah attacks them, when they, when they have a challenge, when they have some kind of difficulty uh, and a calamity befalls them, they say, you know, we belong to Allah as well. To Him we're eventually going to return. So I've got this loss right, right now. We're going to return. If we think that, then this will raise our status in the sight of Allah. This will make us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now think about it this way. The challenge is there already. We've already suffered, right? Now this is suffering. We've already suffered. Now, is it worth going through this suffering and not getting anything out of it? Just basically um, having all of this aggravation, having all of this anxiety and not getting anything out of it. Is it worth it? That's why people of faith have a huge benefit, have a huge potential when suffering comes. Suffering is inevitable in this world. Suffering is going to happen. We've never been guaranteed a suffer, suffer, uh, a, a life free of suffering, right? Suffering has been there since Adam salam's time. When Qabil killed Habil, suffering had already begun and people suffered, right? People have always suffered. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the loving God. He is the, the merciful God. He is the graceful God. He is the, he is the gracious God. He is the benevolent uh, Lord. He is the, the generous Lord. And He is the extremely loving Lord. But at the same time, He also tells us He is the Qahar. He is the, the one with might. He is the one, the vanquisher. He is the one, the muntaqim. He can avenge. He can punish. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about His punishments in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says He can avenge. And, and He everything is under his control so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all of these things we don't have the concept of Christianity of just a loving God we have a very very loving God the Wadud and the Rahman and Rahim and surely his mercy and definitely indeed his mercy has overcome his uh, his 
his anger, but he he can have anger and he can have all of these other things. And those are what manifest in the world. That's the reality. So let us not um, constrain our concept of God and then have a problem of why they're suffering and why babies die sometimes or why the feeble die sometimes. It's inevitable. That's what the world is all about and that's what's going to happen. So it's how we react. Going back to that point, now the third point, the, the third reaction would be that somebody has a problem and they freak out and they start complaining and they're like, why me? What's wrong? What have I done wrong? You know, is God really there? Is God, uh, uh, I mean, na'udhu billah, they say other things, right? Say, can God only find me? This is if they still even have some kind of belief in God. Others would say, they can't be a God because they're suffering and God has to be merciful. But God never told you that he's only merciful. He said that I am so many other things as well as we know from the 99 names. So if, if somebody is led to this because of a mistaken uh, theology or a mistaken idea or just not knowing and unawareness or ignorance and not, not checking it out, not understanding who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, not understanding their tawheed, then that means this is a punishment for them. So now when people have died out of COVID, right, it depends on what their state was. If somebody died with a lot of complaints and everything, then I leave that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if somebody died with a lot of patience, they knew that they were just doing the bidding of Allah. Allah was in complete control and they were just doing whatever Allah wanted and they were according to that, then, you know, inshallah, maybe it will be shahadat for them. So you see, that's the benefit for us. My mother passed away from about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, actually more, about 12 years ago, suffering, uh, after suffering for 10 years with cancer. She suffered from cancer, may Allah have mercy on her. She suffered from cancer for about 10 years, but I have to say that, mashallah, she fought all along, right? Now, there were very difficult times going through chemotherapy and everything. But mashallah, she had a lot of patience. She had a lot of sabr, and I think she knew that she was going to go in a few days when it came to the last moment. That's why she wanted to come out of hospital, and she just wanted to be taken home, but she wouldn't say anything else. And once she came home, she said nothing else. She hardly said anything else. And she made all the preparations before that uh, of telling us, you know, what's going to, what, you know, uh, your dad will help you do this and that, all the rest of it. Now, she, she, she died uh, after 10 years. Now, for me, uh, she died and I think that she's a martyr because she died due to illness. And in the hadith of our Rasulullah there are approximately 70, up to 70 categories of people that are considered a category of martyr. Right? And remember, martyrdom is one of those actions in Islam that has this huge, profound, instant reward. Right? You know, um, uh, uh, what's so amazing about martyrs, right? And when we're talking about martyrs, we're talking about warriors or people who die actively in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Fighting in the path of Allah. That's what, we're, that's what a martyr generally is. Now, martyr, they're, they're, uh, the reward of a martyr is before their blood reaches the ground, their sins are forgiven then there's huge amounts of reward. I mean, Allah has prepared a, a, a hundred degrees levels in paradise, right, which are specifically for martyrs. And between the first level and the second level is like between the earth and the first heaven. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's just mind-bogglingly huge. Another thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ قُتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَمْوَاتًا Those who die in the path of Allah, fighting in the path of Allah, they are not considered to be don't consider them to be, you know, dead in no, the normal way that you understand people to be dead. In fact, the earth does not consume and decompose the, 
the bodies of martyrs. And this is not just something we learn from hadith, but this has been seen by observation. And there's only two categories of people that are given this merit, this fadila, this virtue. It's the prophets and the martyrs. Now, these are, uh, and then the other thing is the martyrs, their souls, once they die, their souls go into paradise, right? And they are in the, uh, they are inside uh, in the form of green birds or inside the, uh, these green birds. Then they fly around paradise and there's other narrations as well about that. They have a very, very special category. So the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned approximately up to 70 additional categories of people, including uh, those who die from stomach ailments, those who die, you know, in different types of accidents, unnatural causes. Uh, our teacher, Maulana Hashim Patel Sahib, uh, mashallah, may Allah, may, may Allah relieve him of his difficulties and may Allah give him uh, a good life. Uh, he's written a book on this and I'm hoping that somebody, inshallah, can put this into English because I think at this point in time, uh, it, it creates a lot of hope. So I think my mother... Uh, has 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 died as a martyr of the hereafter they're not the, you know these 70 or so categories they're not going to die they're not going to be considered the exact same as somebody who actively dies you know fighting in the path of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those are considered to be people who are shaheed and martyrs of this world and the hereafter and people who die in these ailments or these unnatural causes they are considered to be martyrs of the hereafter so we deal with them as normal people who die we bathe them we shroud them and we bury them and we pray pray upon them and everything else but in the in the hereafter they come up as martyrs i think that my mother is inshallah martyr that makes me feel much better alhamdulillah that her suffering was not for nothing now an atheist if they if they die or if their auntie or their mother has died out of cancer in a similar way what are they going to get out of it you know how do they cope with this they died for nothing because they don't believe anything and they had a miser miserable life as well so they don't get anything out of it now i I feel comforted by the fact that this happens, that, that, that it's, she's probably a martyr. I'm giving you just the example of my mother, right, who died over 10 years ago, right? But you can relate this to, inshallah, your own deceased people, right? That inshallah, they're a martyr if they died well, inshallah, if they died well, right? And we can do a lot to, inshallah, help them as well. So now, the atheist is going to tell me that, you know, when you say that, oh, they, they died as a martyr and you feel good about it, you're just... That's just the that, that that's just your way of saying this. That's just your coping mechanism. That is, that is just the way to make yourself feel good. You know, that's just a feel good factor. So then my response will be that okay, fine. At least I've got a feel good factor, which I believe in, and it makes me feel good. Alhamdulillah. Is there anything wrong with that? What's wrong with it? Even if it's a feel good factor, it's not. We believe in what our Messenger Sallallahu has told us. We believe in that. But even if it is just a feel-good factor, just from a human perspective, why, why should we not, you know, why should we not at least be able to cope and have a coping mechanism? That's why people with faith are faring much better than people without faith because they've got something, they've got a bigger picture. They've got something to go for. So you should really thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what He has given us. So that's a very, very important thing. That's a very, very important thing. So that was... The, the third point of, you know, is COVID a punishment or not? And I said that the, it's, it's a complicated idea, it's a complicated issue, and it depends on the person that it has afflicted and what it's done for them, okay? What is done for them. There are people who uh, are suffering, who are struggling to eat, who are struggling, their businesses are going down, you know, they're suffering losses in that regard. It just depends on how they're going to react, right? It just depends on how they're going to react. Now, 
The next point then, the fourth point that I'm going to speak about today is what do we do for the people who've gone now, right? What do we do for those who are sick? So the, the, this is, this is, these are two different points. What do we do for those who are suffering in sickness, whether that be ourselves or someone else, what do we do? Let's start with that one. Firstly, there's no problem with having a release of emotion, with shedding a few tears, with crying, right? And crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing wrong with that. And it actually says that if you, when you, when you suffer a loss, like a, 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 the loss of a, you know, a loved one, there's a, it's actually sometimes good to, to release that emotion. And the Prophet showed us that he did this as well when his grandchild passed away. He wept a few tears and some of the Sahaba were surprised by this. And he said, look, this is just humanity. This is just the insan. This is just the rahmah in a person's heart. That this is, um, th this is a, uh, an emotional release of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. What he had prohibited against the Prophet ﷺ was obviously the niyaha, which was this veiling and rending the garments and shrieking and pulling out the hair, which was done as a profession, which was done uh, as something that people would be hired to do. So they had no feeling. They would just do this. It was a tradition that you did. You know, like people have these traditions that at the wedding, they must we must bring some dancers, right? Or we must bring some music or we must bring this or that. It's just they do something. It's all pretensive at the end of the day. Right, so that that is what that is what was prohibited. But otherwise, to release some emotion is good, and uh, people actually say that if you keep it all pent up, then actually that can be bad for you sometimes as well. So just release the emotion. That's fine. But the best thing is to actually really release the emotion to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. When you feel like crying, cry to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Now I'm going to mention to you that when somebody is sick, there are, of course, there's du'a, right? But in addition to dua and so on and the patience and our focus on Allah and reliance on Him and just focusing on Him, of course we can, uh, you know, we use medicines and we try to acquire a cure for ourselves. We do all of that. But in addition to that, there are some actions which are very, very beneficial. And one of them is giving a lot of sadaqah, right? Giving a lot of sadaqah is extremely, extremely beneficial. You know, when Sheikh Yunus, uh, uh, our um, uh, Sheikh al-Hadith from uh, Saharanpur who passed away just uh, what is it about two years ago now or so right Rahimahullah uh, one, uh, one of our teachers who was with him at the time of the Shabir so he's saying that Sheikh Yunus gave huge amounts of sadaqah and his illness was critical people thought he was gone like he was going to be gone but subhanallah he recovered from that and we had him for some some more time after that and he gave huge amounts of sadaqah Recently somebody became ill, somebody I know who became ill and he remembered this. So when he became ill, he got his laptop, right? And he started donating. And I think in I think he said that within like half an hour or so, right, he donated several hundred pounds. Right? You know, hundred pounds here, five hundred pounds there, two hundred pounds here, one hundred pounds there. And you know, he'd never donated that much in one go. I mean he may have donated to a big cause. Like, you know, where you're in a fundraising, you give a thousand pounds or something like that, he said. But, but this one, he just like quickly, quickly get some money out of the way. Just, just like that. And mashallah, mashallah, he recovered. There's also another very interesting story that Allah subhanahu uh, that, that uh, is related by Imam Bayhaqi in Shu'abul Iman. I mean, subhanAllah, I, you know, I was uh, really affected by this story. Um, Imam Bayhaqi, right, he was one of our great muhaddithin, great aqidah, scholar, theologian, and so on, amazing, you know, he's very maqbool. We, there's a lot of books of his that are quoted, like the Shu'abul Iman, the branches of, of faith. He says that uh, he, he's got a chain that goes up to Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, the great muhaddith and mujahid. And he says that Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak was there, and somebody asked him, Abu Abdurrahman, you know, his, his title was Abu Abdurrahman. He says that somebody came to him and said to him that in my knee, I've got this boil, 
right, which is there for seven years. It's been hurting me for seven years. I've had a boil problem on my knee for about seven years now, right? And I've tried everything. I've been to every doctor that I could find who could try to cure me. I've been to every doctor and I've just not been able to benefit. The boil just resists all kinds of therapies, all kinds of, you know, medicine, and it won't go away. So Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak just told him, he says, he said, go, go, go somewhere, you know, on the outskirts or wherever it was and find a place where people are in need of water, you know, where, they, where there's a scarcity of water, right? And go and have a well dug for them, meaning go and dig a well for them. I, I have all hope that as soon as, uh, you know, I have hope that as soon as there is water flowing there and a stream starts from there, the well starts from there, your blood flow from your boil, from your knee will stop as well. Now, I don't know what caused him to say that, you know, whatever the intuition was. And the person did that. He went and found a place, had a well dug there, started a supply of water, and he became better. Right? He became better. Now today we have a lot of these opportunities. You don't even have to go and find it yourself and dig it yourself or you know, even stand around. You can actually get these relief organizations to do this you know, in different parts of the world. Subhanallah. Imam Bayhaqi then says, right? Now, Imam Bayhaqi didn't see Abdullah ibn Mubarak. He's a few hundred years later. But Imam Bayhaqi says that there's actually another story of the exact same nature for our Sheikh, which happened with his teacher, uh, who is the famous... Uh, Hakim Abu Abdullah and Nishapuri, you know, who wrote the big Mustadrak, he's one of the big muhaddithin. He was also from Nishapur, which is where Imam Muslim Rahimahullah was from, which is in Iran today, right? He he says that uh, Imam Hakim he got that there was a wound, a boil or something, right? A huge boil or something that appeared on his face. Right? Now that's even worse than the knee, maybe, you know, I'm not sure. He says, again, he tried to have it cured. He tried to get a remedy for it various different ways, and it just wouldn't go, right? And it was nearly a year it stayed for. So he had this problem. He's suffering from this problem for about a year, okay? So he went to one of his teachers. Uh, he went to one of the, one of the righteous uh, awliya of the time, whose name was uh, Imam Abu Uthman al-Sabuni. Abu Uthman al-Sabuni. And... He went to his majlis, you know, when they have their majlis of dhikr or their maw'idha, their bayans or whatever, right? Like if somebody comes today to Mawlana Abdurrahim sahab, Mawlana Hazrat Mawlana Bilal sahab, says, can you please make dua for me? Very, very similar to this, right? And uh, I'm assuming that after this, Hazrat uh, Mawlana Bilal sahab, Mawlana Abdurrahim sahab are going to get a huge amount of duas to, you know, uh, for people to make the duas for them, right? And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this majlis and make it mubarak that it is the source for cure for a lot of problems. So anyway, this is what happened. He, he went to uh, Abu Uthman al-Sabun rahimahullah to ask him that he make dua for uh, Hakim. Hakim asked him, right, that can you make dua for me in your majlis on Fridays that you hold, in your gatherings on Fridays that you hold, make dua for me. So uh, likewise, uh, Abu Uthman al-Sabuni, he obliged and he made dua for him. And mashallah, there were so many people there, men and women, and they made Amin. They said Amin, right? Oh Allah, accept. So when it was the next Jumu'ah for the next gathering, right? Subhanallah, a woman came and she threw into the gathering a note. I mean, this was probably similar to today where we can do it online now. But, you know, women attended the gathering, but they would send their comments or notes or questions on a piece of paper. She alqat imra'atun fil majlisi ruk'ah bi'annaha. And she basically... Uh, gave a narration about her story. She narrated 
what happened since last week. She said, from last week, when I heard about Imam Al-Hakim and his, his boil on his face, I went and I made a lot of dua for him. Subhanallah, women's duas. There are a lot of women uh, listening today and we would request them as well to make dua for us as well and for all of those people who are suffering. Right? She said, I really made a lot of effort in my dua for Hakim Abu Abdullah that night. And at that, in that night, I saw the Prophet ﷺ in my dream. And the Prophet ﷺ was as if he was telling me that go and say to Abu Abdullah, which means Abu Abdullah, um, uh, who is uh, Abu Abdullah al-Hakim, right? Go and inform Abu Abdullah al-Hakim that he should somehow expand his distribution of water for the believers, meaning somehow distribute water among the believers. Essence of life, water, essence of life. Go, go and do that, right? So that's why I have sent this message on this piece of paper so hakim mashallah was told about this imam hakim rahimahullah was talk of, taught about this so what he did was outside his house he got a what you would call today a cooler place there right he uh, something to uh, provide water and he also had ice put in there you know, nowadays it would be like getting a cooler place somewhere where people would be going past. They do this in a lot of countries that you, you see, like in Syria, they've got a cooler down there and it says, Ila Ruhi, you know, Shaykhuna, uh, whatever. You know, somebody's done it for their father or their grandfather or somebody, uh, their mother or whatever it is. That's what he did. And he put a lot of ice in there, had a lot of ice in there. So people were, you know, mashallah, very satisfied with the water as they drink it when they're going past. Within a week, he says, not a week had passed. Not a week had passed until he got Shifa. And all of those pimples and uh, those other problems of his face, they, they went away. And it became again pristine as it was before. And after that, he lived for a very long time. Uh, mashallah, for a number of years afterwards. So I'm saying we can try this as well. If you've got yourself or a loved one who, have the, who, have, who has this issue, you know, go and get a well dug as soon as possible and do many other good things it's not just the well you can do many other things but this is related by imam bayhaqi in shu'abul iman and inshallah that will be of benefit the last point i want to make is that for those who've passed away we are their only source now the prophet sallallahu said in a hadith of muslim that when a person passes away then his active actions they stop they cease they finish he can't do any more active actions however there are some sources by which he still uh, a person continues to re receive the rewards and that is uh, a sadaqa jariya, uh, some knowledge that can be benefited from, and a waladun salihun yad'ulahu, which means basically a child, right? A child, male or female, right? That could make dua for them. Now, we are those who are left behind, and I don't think that this is just re restricted to a child, okay? If you are a brother, and I'm sure if you make dua, Allah will accept it as well. If you are the father and your child has died, you're the mother and the child has died, or your brother has died, your uncle has died, Insha'Allah, if we pray for them and we give sadaqah for them, Insha'Allah, Allah will accept that as well. I don't think this is, has to be just restricted. Generally, it's the son or the daughter that's generally going to be the closest, who's going to have, who's going to be probably, uh, who's going to uh, outlive the parents, and that's why. But otherwise, all of us can be waladun salihun. All of us can be that, insha'Allah. And I think it benefits because if we are so inspired for our for our deceased to do that, then they they must have done something for us that we are inspired to be able to pray for them. So there are multiple ways we can do that. But I think um, one of the things that I've learned from my teachers is a very, very, very simple thing, right? And I'm sure, insha'Allah, you can do this. And it, 
it, it amounts to so much, but it's so easy. Simple thing you do is that after every prayer that you perform, right? So you finish your prayer, and now you're getting up to go and do something else. As you're getting up, or before you get up, just try to make a habit of just reciting Qul Allahu Ahad three times. Now I said, there's nothing in the Quran Sunnah directly that tells us to do it this way, but we know that Surah Al-Ikhlas equates in some ways to one third of the Quran. If you read it three times, whatever its rewards are, it's a huge amount of reward for reading Quran. And pretty much most of the ulama agree as well that you can take the reward of your Quranic reading, right? And you can donate that to somebody. All you have to do is, Oh Allah, I've recited this Quran. Oh Allah, the, the reward that I am receiving from this Quran reading of three Surah Al-Ikhlas, Oh Allah, give it to so-and-so. So what we're going to do is a very simple thing is recite Qul Huwallahu Ahad three times, the whole Surah three times. It will take us less than a minute, right? As a habit. And then we say, Oh Allah, send the reward of this to my parents and send the reward of this to all my teachers and those who have benefited me. And subhanallah, I'm going to request that you include me into that. It's up to you, but I'm going to request that, right? Because inshallah, I'm hoping that you will include me in this because you're, you may be learning this from me. But it adds to so much. I did it for so many years when I heard it from my teacher, right? That, oh Allah, give the reward of this to my parents and my, my teachers. Five times a day, imagine the amount of reward that you can do, the amount that this will eventually accumulate, accumulate to after so many days, so many years and whatever. It's a very simple, when you make a habit of it, it becomes very, very easy as well. Allah give us the tawfiq, may Allah accept this from us. So this is what we can do. And one of the best things that you can do is to do some kind of endowment. The, the sadaqah that you want to find is something that is going to last as long as possible and that's going to have the huge, uh, the, 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 the greatest potential. You can give it to a masjid, but once masjids are, are, you know, once masjids have been taken care of, then I think the next best thing, right, has to be madrasas, has to be institutes that are going to train, uh, you know, uh, for ilm and, and ulama. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from us. May Allah allow us to think ahead. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our deceased. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And may Allah allow us to come out of this pandemic better than when we entered into it and give us a better understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of you and bless all of those who set this program up and bless all of you those of you who are listening.